You're listening to the Becoming Me podcast on the Creative Church Podcast Network, where we share stories of people becoming who they were made to be. My name is Emily Cummins. This week, Brooklyn Warren is sharing her becoming story. Brooklyn serves as the guest services director at Gwinnett Church and describes herself as an ordinary gal that gets excited about removing barriers for people trying to find an extraordinary God. Here is my conversation with Brooklyn Warren. Well, hey, Brooklyn, how are you? Hey, Emily, I'm great. Glad to be here. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited to have you on the Becoming Me podcast. It's been a pleasure getting to know you through the Foresight Coaching Groups with Jenny Katrin, and then even with the Becoming Me community as we've shared your story recently on that platform as well. And I just can't wait for the Creative Church community to get to know you. You are awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So Let's just kick everything off with you telling us a little bit about Brooklyn. What makes you, you? Um, okay, so I get asked this all the time if I'm <laughs> from New York with my name being Brooklyn. What? So I always tell people, no, sadly, I'm not from New York City. Um, I'm from Washington. And so I grew up in the Pacific Northwest and absolutely love it there. Um, and I think that a huge part of who I am is my childhood. And so... Mm. From like an early age, I just knew that there was a God that loved me, that was for me. Um, My parents raised me and my sisters just with faith in the household, which was great. And I have four sisters, so there was a lot of estrogen and everything. (laughs) Um, But it was a really good childhood. It was very like uh, lower class. We didn't have a lot of money, but I think my mom just raised us to... Uh, love each other to she would tell us this all the time she would say friends come and go but sisters Mm. last a lifetime and so like fast forwarding into present day it's so cool because that's so true we are kind of all scattered throughout the country but we look forward to family gatherings we look forward to holidays and I remember growing up thinking you're so annoying stop telling (laughs) me this but it really is true and so my childhood was awesome And then uh, I went to college, I studied business and communications, and I had every intention to like get my MBA. That was one of my goals, but I did not want to be in that much debt. So after undergrad, I was like, well, I will uh, work, I'll pay off my student loans and then go into more debt eventually for a master's. And in between that time, I decided to take an internship in Atlanta So two weeks after I graduated college, I booked a one-way flight to Atlanta, (laughs) Georgia. Uh, I packed one suitcase and um, that was four years ago. And I've been in Atlanta ever since. Wow. So um, that's a little bit of a snapshot of of like what I'm doing or I mean where I am and how I got here right now. It's funny. My mom told my sister and I the exact same thing. Like friends come and go, but you always have each other. And it's true. It's so like, true. It's so yep. true. Although Brooklyn, you're never allowed to go because I love having you in my life. So you get to be an adopted <laughs> sister. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> yes. Well, hey, I love your story. Um, and I love just hearing you unpack the journey that you have been on to becoming who you are today and who you're continuing to become. So why don't you just take several moments and unpack your story? 
So um, I shared a little bit about the journey of getting to Atlanta. And I think what was interesting is I thought that uh, the internship that I took in 2014 would be just a page of my story. I had no idea it would become this huge chapter in my story. And so I'm learning that God is like the perfect author. And when he takes a pen and he writes um, our stories, they're so much more beautiful and creative and different than we can ever imagine. And so I think I'm continuing to learn that and in so many different avenues and everything, but really just learning that um, God, when he holds the pen, he writes beautiful, beautiful Mm -hmm. stories. And so um, there's just been in between my marriage relationships, there's been so many moments where I've like had to remind myself, okay, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you, yeah. God. I know that um, your plans are better than anything I could ever create or do on my own. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I, think, I, feel, I feel like that's something I'm currently learning and Absolutely. probably will continue to for the rest of yeah. my, my life for sure. Absolutely. So you talked about you packing your your suitcase, getting a one-way ticket flight to Atlanta. You land in Atlanta and walk us through your story of you discovering, okay, this is your place. You meet even your husband in Atlanta. You discover that ministry is more than just you know something you felt passionate about, but it's something you're called to wake up and do every day. Walk us through that part of your journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I got here and um, was really excited to learn from Andy Stanley. So I came to do an internship at North Point Ministries. I had heard about it um, even in Washington. And so I worked and did an internship at their sister location in Gwinnett County called Gwinnett Church. And so I was really excited to like learn a little bit about vocational ministry. But like I said, I had never like never intended for that to become my career or anything. And so slowly over time, I just became um, kind of obsessed with the church. And at Mm. that time, it was cool. Um, I was contracting. So I did an internship, then they um, asked me to contract. And at this time, we're building a future home. So we were meeting at an existing church at six o'clock at night. And for people who've ever done portable church, I mean, they know how exhausting it is. And so I think I was like, I have to be here for opening Sunday. I mean, there had been so much time and blood, sweat, and tears into (laughs) building the church. And so um, I really was like, okay, whether you guys are going to pay me to be here and work or not, I'm going to stay until opening Sunday. And so thankfully, they continued to be like, hey, can we actually use you for six more weeks or eight more weeks? So the crazy thing is, is that happened for an entire year. So I actually was never on staff uh, for over a year. And that came with a lot of uncertainty, instability. Um, and there were times where it was difficult. I mean, I remember calling my family and being like, I, I don't know when I'm coming back mm. or if I'm coming back. And uh, so that was difficult, but there was yeah. this really cool moment that happened in the midst of all this. So I'm contracting, we moved into the new church, which was so exciting. I mean, for people who've like ever launched a church, yeah. it's just like, oh my gosh, what only God could like allow something beautiful and amazing to happen. I remember opening Sunday, Emily, there was 900 people that did not have a seat. Oh my goodness. 900 people without seats. I mean, it was chaotic and crazy, (laughs) but it was so awesome. And so we know that like God positioned us to be in this community because people need a local church. But anyway, so fast forward like a month, we, you know, kind of settled. We feel like we have enough seats for everyone on a Sunday and I'm still not a full-time employee at the church. And in Mm -hmm. one week I got contacted by 
four different churches with a full-time like salary. Oh, wow. And I'm just like, okay, Lord, what are you trying to do here? And I remember uh, driving and getting an email notification on my phone from um, a local church here called Decatur City. And it said, the subject line was like, are you interested? And I knew <laughs> what it was be, what it would be about. And so I threw my phone in the car, like <gasps> so immature, I like, threw my phone on the ground. And I was like, God, I am not for Decatur City Church. I am not mm. for these other places. I really wanted to be at Gwinnett Church. And it was difficult for me to like, get all these other opportunities and then be mm. like, but God, the one opportunity that I want, the mm. thing that I've been so loyal to for the past 14, 15 months, why are you not opening a door? And so I went through a really like, probably 10 day season of like wrestling with God and just yeah. having honest conversations, me and Jesus. I'm like, I don't understand. And finally, um, wisdom kicked in and I was like, <laughs> okay, God, I am going to, uh, let you write my story. I'm going to surrender. And so I remember journaling one morning and saying, okay, God, I surrender this. I trust you. I will go wherever you will have me go. I'll, you're, you continue to open doors. So I just need to move in that direction. And apparently Gwinnett Church is not the door you're going to open. So that was really hard and difficult. Yeah. But Jesus was so sweet to me that day because that afternoon I got called in to an office and they said, Hey, we would actually love for you to work here until Easter. No way. So it was like, I think at the time it was like two more months and it wasn't a full-time position, but it still kind of gave me hope of like, okay, I am going to continue to open doors once you finally surrender and trust me. And so, um, I get there through Easter and then on May 1st of 2015, I became, um, full-time staff at Gwinnett church. And so it was a long journey. It was a messy journey. Um, but I, I just learned so much in that. Like when we trust him and we surrender, Mm. he really will listen, but he's going to know something better than, you know, at the time that we know. And so that was a huge, huge piece. Absolutely. That's incredible. I think one of my favorite stories in your trusting God season in Atlanta um, is how you met your husband. Do you mind unpacking that story for us? No. So um, I was dating in Washington. So I had a you know prior relationship in Washington. So when I moved here, um, there was still like a relationship across the country. So that was just kind of confusing too. Cause I, I couldn't say like, Hey, they offered me a full-time job. Yeah. See ya. Like he knew I'm just basically an intern and then contracting. And so, um, through that, we actually, I think it's cool sharing this. We actually had a really healthy breakup. I know that's not the case for everyone. Yeah. He ended up breaking up with me and praying for me over FaceTime. Oh, no I don't think that happens, but we just had so much peace. Like he would tell me Atlanta's where you're supposed to be. And then I remember telling him, so for the girls listening out there, I remember telling him that he deserved to have someone in his life that would say, hey, where you go, I'll go. Mm. And I wasn't willing to do that. I basically, without giving him an ultimatum, said, you can come to Atlanta and be in this like weird contracting journey with me here or see ya. And so I knew it wasn't healthy. I knew that he deserved to have someone that would be like, no, I love you. So I'll, you know, I'm committed to this relationship. My mentor helped me understand that I loved him, but I wasn't in love with him. So that was a really big distinction for me to figure that out. So then I was able to be here in Atlanta, single, working in my new job and just being fully devoted to Jesus. And I I had dated that guy for years, like throughout college. And so it was really good to just 
focus on my relationship with the Lord and become a few, like I remember thinking the best gift I can give my future spouse spouse is a healthy Brooklyn. Mm. And so yeah. focusing on that spiritually, physically, emotionally. Um, so that happened for a few months, probably not as long as it should have. Um, and then um, my husband now was a volunteer of mine at the time. <laughs> I love that. And so I had seen Chris Warren. I had like definitely, you know, he was on my radar for sure. <laughs> but um, like, I mean, when you're in a relationship, you're not going to pursue anything. Right. And so what I did to like get the ball rolling, I guess, for lack of a better expression, I made Chris the volunteer of the month. So on our social media, <laughs> we would spotlight different volunteers. And that particular week, it was guest services turn. And so I was like, oh, I know who I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick that handsome fella. So I, I, I asked him to be our volunteer of the month, which like we would take a picture and write three fun facts. So his three fun facts was tennis coach, young life leader, special ed teacher, and guest services volunteer of the month. And I'm wow. like falling for him at this time. I'm like, you're active and healthy. You are involved in ministry and young life. You are patient and you work with special ed kids. I'm like, could you be any better? Um, I didn't really know him that well, but we made him the volunteer of the month. And then shortly after he asked me to a Young Life um, fundraising event. And then so that, that was with a handful of other folks from the church and then eventually asked me on a first date. And then we got um, married or engaged six months later. So it was very quick. Wow. I love it. I love that story. Mm -hmm. um, it's just you never know who's around you or how God is going to intersect you and their story together. Like even you right. and I, I mean, we met through a women's leadership coaching group. Like mm -hmm. who would have thought, you know, we were just both in the right spot at the right time and had the right people who both knew us and mm -hmm. then just our stories intersected. Mm -hmm. um, I just I think that's really cool. So what do you do? Walk us through your role at Gwinnett now. So you trusted God. You were open handed. You now work full time. And what what do you get to wake up and do with Gwinnett Church? Um, so I get the privilege of overseeing the guest experience on a Sunday, and then I get to work with um, close to 400 volunteers that wow. help create a remarkable experience on Sundays. And I love it. I think it's so rewarding to get to work with people who have full-time jobs. They have kids. They have a busy schedule. And for their willingness to carve out some hours on a Sunday and volunteer their time, like I'm constantly humbled by them. And so getting to work with them and lead with them and ultimately creating this experience where we want people to feel like they can belong at our church even before they perhaps believe. And so we are constantly thinking through the lens of how do we remove obstacles from the parking lot to the way we check in families and kids to how they get seated in our auditorium. Like we want it to be a seamless, efficient experience. So then they can go into the auditorium and then God can do what only he can do and, mm. you know, nudge their hearts and through maybe the lyrics of the songs we sing or something that they will actually be like, okay, maybe there is a God that loves me and is for me. And so we feel like we're the front end of that. And then God gets to um, ultimately have the big platform and stage. And so, yeah, uh, yeah that's really that's my awesome. job is to just create a great experience on a Sunday and then to lead um, these incredible volunteers that help us execute it. I love it. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So what does becoming me, what do those words mean to you? 
I think when you think of like the definition of becoming, um, it, it, there there's an assumption that you had to like go through change or developing into something. So like I did not used to be a runner. I mm-hmm. used to just <laughs> be more lazy. I don't know. I don't know what I did previously, but like I became a runner. And yeah. through that, there was repetition. There was um, like there was a commitment to doing something. And, you know, it started off as like, I'm going to run for two minutes and then I'm going to run for three minutes. And then, you know, you build up your pace and duration and, and it's, it's this long process. And so I feel like becoming means that we are undergoing some type of like change and process Mm. and development, but becoming me to me, it means that we're becoming and undergoing all these processes of being who God wants us to be. And so that means that we know um, what he says about us. We know truth of who he's, um, that he has called us, you know, sons and daughters, and it's recognizing who we are and who we're not. And so like, for me, I'm not like a musician. I have no (laughs) musical body in my bone. I can't grab a guitar. I can definitely not grab a microphone and sing. And so like recognizing like God hasn't intended for Brooklyn to be an artist or a musician Mm. or sing, but that doesn't mean I can't not reach people. Right. Um, You know, so having this self-awareness to be like, well, God has given me other strengths and God has gifted me in this area and leaning into those and in maximizing those. So then I can say, God, with what you gave to me, with what you entrusted to me, I was a good steward. And I ultimately do this all, you know, to bring people closer to him. But I think it's a daily choice to recognize who we are, who we're not. Mm. So it's to recognize those truths about us and, um, and really just being a healthy version of ourselves. I think it takes self-awareness. I think it takes discernment um, to say, okay, today I'm going to continue to become, because yeah. it's constantly a journey and a process. I'm going to become God who you want me to be. And that's a healthy Brooklyn. That's a, you know, healthy spiritually, physically, yeah. mentally, all of that. Um, and just an accurate view of myself. And so I think, yeah, I think that's what I think about when I think of becoming me. I love that. And I love how you you described so beautifully that it's us embracing that daily process of living in process, but then really owning who you are and who you're not. Mm-hmm. So it'd be easy to assume that, you know, becoming me, you could become you know, anything and all things. And we weren't made to be all things. Mm -mm, If we mm -hmm. were able to be everything, like no one's unique and no one would really be able to step in and be who God made them to be. We'd all be carbon copies of each other. (laughs) And so becoming me is so unique. And it's that ownership piece you talked about, about knowing who you are and who you're not and being okay with that. That's so healthy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love it. So, I mean, if you were having a cup of coffee or you were going on a run with another person (laughs) (laughs) and uh, they're on their own becoming journey, what would you say to encourage them? So for the record, I could not carry on this conversation (laughs) on a run. Neither could I. I'm just going to go ahead and say I'm at Starbucks with someone. Yes, I love it. I would, yeah, and I, I would probably tell them kind of in that same vein of knowing who you are and who you're not. Um, I would tell them to stop looking out the window and look in the mirror. Mm. So I first heard that in a sermon years ago, and it's that idea of comparison and that for us, it's so easy to just constantly glaze out the window and be like, well, he's doing this or she's 
she's killing it and she's only 30 or look at what she's wearing or, oh my gosh, she's a size, whatever. I mean, in every aspect, I think we all struggle with comparison. And I don't think there's a way we're going to become who God has asked us to be if we're not if we're not leaning into who he wants us to be, because we're mm-hmm. so distracted by what others look like or they're doing, or even sometimes like maybe the pressures that they've put on us to become someone else. And so I think it's, I think when we look in the mirror and we see the image of God, I mean, scripture talks about that. Like we were formed in the womb and God has made all of us so uniquely for us to be able to look in the mirror and be like, okay, I may not look like her. I may not be as successful as him. I may not be making as much money, whatever, but like, okay, God, you have designed me. You've made me and you've called me your Mm. daughter. I mean, I just think that's such a beautiful image that the creator of the universe has called us his sons and daughters. And so for, for us to be able to look in the mirror and have an accurate view of ourselves and then lean into the strengths that we all have. I mean, sometimes it feels like our strengths are so lame in comparison because it's like well I'm not Justin Timberlake that can like kill a concert or anything (laughs) but like there are things that I can do and so I think when I've started to look less out the window more in the mirror like my insecurities not Mm. that I'm never gonna have insecurities but like those haven't robbed me from like being what God wants me to be and so I think I think that's a big idea I think it's easier said than done so it kind of when you were talking about a daily process I think it could start daily. I mean, I have a friend who on her mirror, she writes these sticky notes and it's these three things that for her have robbed her when she would constantly Mm. compare. And it's, I am worthy, I am loved and people like me. And I think that last one is huge because sometimes we can feel like whether we're lonely or whether we had older siblings who like picked on us and said, no one's ever going to like you. But like for her, those are the truths that she knows in her heart. But sometimes it's hard to actually see it in fruition. And so for her, she says every day, I am loved, I am worthy, and people like me. And I think there, for all of us, we have to figure out what those truths are. But to look in the mirror and stop looking out the window, mm. we did an entire sermon series on this idea of comparison. We call it the comparison trap. And the underlining theme is that there is never going to be a win in comparison. So like mm. when you yeah. and I sit on social media and we constantly look at these bloggers in their outfits or like, you know, or whatever it is, these beautiful homes that people have or we're comparing to Joanna Gaines or whatever it is. Like we're never going to feel more satisfied after that. You know, you feel less satisfied. You feel discontent. And so that idea that there's no win in comparison, um, looking at the mirror, not out the window, I think it fuels us to lean into who God has called us to be. Absolutely. I oh, love that how sense? you worded that. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. And you know, if somebody was listening, you know, and they're pretending they're at Starbucks with us right now, and they're <laughs> they're soaking this in. And they're like, okay, Brooklyn, like, I really want to stop looking out the window and I want to start looking in the mirror. What are some tangible, like, self-help things that we can equip them with so that way somebody can walk away knowing how to start applying that. Because I'm so with you. It's easy to get off this podcast and start scrolling through Instagram. And mm-hmm. I have in my mind, okay, Emily, stop looking out the window, look in the mirror. And then I get caught right in that cycle again. So like, what are some tangible steps for people to walk away with? I think one option could be to go on a uh, a sabbatical from social media, perhaps. And so (laughs) um, it it could even just be a day. And I I did this experiment with a friend, we we went off for one week, 
but um, there's an app you can get, and I, we, I, don't, I can't think of it now, Emily, but we can add it to the show notes. You're able to see how many times you grab your phone and you oh, look wow. for where the app was. That's so awesome. like for me, I went to where Instagram used to be a handful of times. And so it was really mm. eye-opening to realize how much time is wasted on social media. I'm not bashing social media at yeah. all. Like I think living across the country, it helps me stay connected to people in Washington and relatives like in different parts of the world. So I mean, it's not a bad thing. You just have to, you know, be cautious and healthy. So I think prefer, perhaps for some people, it would just be going like, I'm going to be off social media for one, for, for some people, maybe one day or, you know, one week or one month. I think another tangible thing to stop looking, you know, out the window is to two things. One is to maybe try the sticky notes and to have some um, truths written on the mirror about yourself. And this may need to be that you get a safe person with you and you navigate that together. Um, I mean, I think the Holy Spirit gives us discernment and that could be something we do in our quiet time, but it's helpful to have a friend say, no, no, here's the truths that I see in you. And here's the things I want you to repeat out loud daily about yourself. And I think another... tangible thing would be just to continue to surround yourself with healthy people. I know sometimes if I like my friends are unhealthy and they do a lot of comparison or gossip or name bashing or whatever it is, it can obviously affect me. And so choosing to have healthy people in your life who are uplifting and encouraging, um, I think that's huge. And I know it maybe sounds like eat I don't know, not easy, but like kind of vanilla, like, oh, that's not that like earth shattering or anything, but it really is like over time, a big idea. I mean, Solomon talks about that in Proverbs of just like a wise man is surrounded by good friends. And so, I mean, we say that the people you surround yourselves with ultimately determine the direction and quality of your life. And so when you think about that, you're like, am I surrounding myself with healthy people, encouraging people, uplifting people? People who um, compliment you because it's if you're um, getting encouragement and truths, you probably will be less apt to like be looking out the window all the time because oh, yeah. you're like, well, people are reflecting back to me the things that I am capable of and the you know the things that I do have. Absolutely, I love what you shared there. It's so tangible, practical, and it's a good, easy. They're easy steps we can implement, but they're not easy in that they won't make a difference. And it's just right. something you can breeze through. Um, we can all easily take one of these action steps and run with it, but it's going to set us up for so much success in the long run. I mean, I know every year I try to do at least one one week social media break mm-hmm. and it's so healthy. I usually come, in, come away feeling refreshed. Usually going yep. into it, I'm like, oh no, I'm going to miss so many things. And then I never do, you mm-hmm. know, like you don't miss life shattering things. And if it is something that was life shattering, you should be doing life with those people that they'd pick up the phone and text you or call you about yes. something yep. that major. Mm-hmm. Um and then I've also even just really paid attention to who I'm following because just as much as, you know, what you shared about the people you surround yourself, I think in your physical world, also in your online world, 
So the voices that you're looking to and you're allowing to speak into your feeds, whether Mm -hmm. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever. Um, And I've just started looking at like, okay, do I know you? Like, do I do life with you in person? If I don't, then I'm going to be asking like, why do I follow you? And are you posting like encouraging, helpful things that help me become who God made me to be? And if not, like, you know, I'm going to be cheering you on, but I don't need to bombard what my mind sees every single day either with stuff that might just discourage me or not propel me into who I'm becoming. I think something else that came to mind um, when I was talking about my childhood. So I mentioned briefly, like we were not even middle class. We were very lower class. We Seven of us lived in a single wide trailer. And when I wow. think about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, how do I not have bad memories of my childhood? I only have good ones, but clearly that's not comfortable or makes <laughs> sense. But anyway, one of the things my mom did such a great job in is if I ever, you know, compared myself to my like uh, friends in class or school or anything, she did a good job helping us realize that there's always going to be those with more and there's mm. always those with less. And so when I would get fixated on like not having whatever it was, the cool new gadget or toy or clothes, she she would just say, Brookie, there's people who are looking at you and they wish that they could mm. have what you have. They wish that they had four sisters who like love them. They yeah. wish they had a mom and a dad or a roof over their head. So I think sometimes it's good to also just whatever it is, it's going to be all relative, you know, depending on yeah. where we're in, but just remembering like, there's always going to be those with more, but there's always going to be those with less. And it, it literally could be the thing that you do or the thing that you have that handful, handful of people are looking and wishing for. And so I think that just gave me a better perspective kind of at an early age in that with comparison. And then the other thing is celebrating your friends. So mm-hmm. we've spent a lot talking about healthy friends. I think the comparison trap gets really, really unhealthy when you can't celebrate like good news for someone else. And so that for me is a gauge. If I'm like bending towards getting jealous or frustrated or like, why did she get that opportunity? Or how come like I'm killing it in my career and I don't get, you know, whatever it is. Like for me, that's a really good gauge of where I'm at. If I'm, if I'm spending enough time in the mirror and not out the window, I'm able to celebrate other people's successes and accomplishments. And, and sometimes it's not always like, it's not inauthentic, but sometimes it's not necessarily authentic. Like you kind of have to force yourself to do it because you know it's the right thing and what you want to do. And I think over time it gets easier um, to be able to celebrate others, you know, even when you're like, oh, that's so what I wanted. So I think celebrating others is a good gauge of kind of where you're at on that comparison spectrum. This is so good. I seriously love what you've shared about looking out the out the window and looking in the mirror and then the tangible takeaways for all of us as we're embracing this daily process of becoming who God made us to be. Like you are awesome. Thank you so much, Brooklyn. Thanks <laughs> yeah, for sharing thanks your for story. Having me. Absolutely. To learn more about Brooklyn and connect with her, visit the podcast episode page on our website at creativechurch.com. That's CRTVchurch.com. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Becoming Me podcast on the Creative Church Podcast Network. For more information about Becoming Me, visit us at becomingme.tv. Also connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook with at becomingme.tv. 
And don't forget to connect with us at creativechurch.com. Again, that's crtvchurch.com. You can also check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Creative Church.